getting up to tattoo time, Alex. No oh boy. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm gonna get it anyway if Arsenal win the title. Yeah. Honestly, let's be honest, you wanted to get it no matter what. Mm-hmm. No, I just need an excuse. Yeah, you were like, 100 episodes, I have to wait that long. I know, I'm like, oh, wait, if Arsenal win the title, just do it then. Perfect. Slightly modified, of course. I already said, yeah, slightly modified. <laughs> to be seen, you guys have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, don't jinx it. No. We've already got jinxes to talk about this week. Yeah, welcome to episode 16 of Soccer Situations. Uh, I'm Todd. And I'm Alex. And we're here to talk about soccer and soccer nonsense. Actually, quite a bit to talk about this week. It was kind of a like low-key big one again, right? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, I guess that's maybe just getting to the later stage of the season. Mm-hmm. Things like everything kind of matters now. Yeah. Even though it matters all year. Yeah. You know, it really starts to hit home. The results really hit home. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Jim Campbell on, on the Ramble said, uh, this time of year is like when every single team is going to be playing as hard as they can. Yep. Yeah. Everything's on the line right yeah. now. We've talked before, and we'll come back to this today, I think, about how the relegation battle is kind of tighter than it's been in a long, long time. It's unbelievable how far up the table you can Straight go. Straight up to the middle the, of in the, the table. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so, it's kind of unprecedented. Yeah, we've never yeah. seen one this tight. So it's super exciting. Every weekend is super exciting right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not necessarily the quality of play. Yeah. But the stakes. Yeah. The, stakes the stakes are high you every can feel week. feel the tension. This is what Americans need to realize about soccer is there's not this 150-game baseball season or whatever 85-game hockey season Yeah, where most of it you can kind of coast through and just, you know, kind of yeah. stay in the race before yeah. it really gets down to it. It's like, no, 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 every single game you got to go. Every single game matters. Yeah. I think the closest thing in American sports would be college football these days. Because college right. football, you, you kind of have to be undefeated if you want a chance to go into the playoff for the most part. True. Yeah, I was going to say the NFL too, but you're right. It's more extreme in college. But the you NFL, do have to be. you see teams get in at like, mm-hmm. uh, like With pretty seven even and records. eight and eight and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Or like even like seven and nine i've seen teams in the playoffs where's the lions and the chase pretty late at seven and six or something like that something like that or yeah s- yeah six and seven yeah, and like they were still in the, in they the were race still in the hunt yeah um but yeah like so i would say college football is the closest thing in american sports right to that to tension like every game yeah and it's it's there's not much like it i'll say the one thing that obviously soccer wins on is it's 45 minutes of no commercials and all action yep <laughs> With a break in between. Honestly, I think you might. It's funny. I, I I don't really think about this that often. But when you said that, I think you reminded me that that is like you hit the nail on the head of how I originally fell in love with this game. Yeah. It's so easy, especially because you watch it in the morning on this continent and you're up early and you're chilling. It's so easy to like relax and get into the game because it's not constantly starting and stopping and screaming at you and yep. like, doing all kinds of commercial stuff. breaks, yeah. screaming in your face every five minutes. Yeah, it's a lot easier to focus on. Yeah, and like the sounds of the game are soothing a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the kicking of the ball and like the crowd and yeah, it's nice. It's it's funny because um, you know, people the British people don't 
under don't get that experience that we have right you know it's a very more it's much more intense for them yeah, yeah. um of an experience and it's funny being an american fan because we are like diehard we've we've been doing this for 20 years yeah. now and it's it's intense but um we get the piece of having coffee and getting over caffeinated on our couch and right. watching the games um, right. in the comfort of our homes or at a bar in the morning. Um, but either way, it's mm-hmm. such a more chill. It's a very, yeah, it's enjoyable atmosphere. I mean, of course, if it's your team you're watching and the stakes are high, you get as wound up as you would. In the oh meeting. yeah. It's oh, the yeah. same tension, but when it's not, and when you're just, yeah, when you're watching, as, game, when you're watching as a neutral, it's so chill. It's really, yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful game as they might say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I've got a little write-up on The Last of Us, of course, I, wa- I really want to talk about. It was a season finale, and I really want to spoil it for you. Um, I honestly don't care about spoilers, so you absolutely can. Man, it was such a cliffhanger, and it was so incredible. It was so emblematic of the show itself. This episode of Soccer Situations is brought to you by Littlefoot Coffee. I mean, what can I say about Littlefoot Coffee? Um, they're not just friends of the pod. They're family of the pod, quite literally. Um, Alex started Littlefoot years ago after more than a decade of roasting experience, um, roasting coffee for some of the hottest, most fashionable, and uh, most importantly, tasty specialty coffee roasters in America. My favorite thing about it is that it's just really high-grade coffee without a drop of pretense. You're not going to find a bunch of weird, savory notes that the roaster is passing off as intentional. It's just really sweet, comforting flavors that everybody wants in their coffee. And now, for a limited time only, you can get 15% off at littlefootcoffee.com. Promo code situations once again you can get 15 percent off at littlefootcoffee.com using the promo code situations yeah you want to jump into the games yeah let's do it let's um, jump right in yeah let's let's start with the first game of the weekend board with one uh liverpool zero i jinxed i jinxed us uh this weekend yeah yeah right before kickoff i posted the fact that five games previous we had clean sheets and that <laughs> that coincided with the return of virgil van dyke to the team i posted as such and we immediately lost one no yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Pretty funny stuff. Yeah, interesting game, too, overall. You heard me say during the game, I wasn't really mad about it because Bournemouth had such a clear plan. They deserved it. Um, You could almost see the blueprints of their plan, like, ghosting on the pitch, mm-hmm. and they were executing it so flawlessly. They, they outplayed us in every way. People, it was very interesting to watch. Yeah, people are going to um go back to, you know, Liverpool's inconsistencies this year and probably rightfully so but i don't think that's really the story of this game Um, no no i don't think so i think that would be unfair to bournemouth to mm -hmm. say that was the case and this game is really high stakes for bournemouth um huge and because of that i actually want to talk about bournemouth a little bit um i want to give a little bit of wider context to this game and to this club's uh relegation battle a few a few episodes back i said they're one of those clubs where if they go down you might not see them come back up Mm-hmm. I think at this point in our podcast, probably most of our listeners watch have been watching long enough and intently enough that they know the Bournemouth story. Yeah, yeah. But uh, bear with me for those that already do. I'm going to give a little bit of background. The clubs existed, and I'm not going to go for a, a deep, full history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
They were founded in 1899. Um, they became known as Bournemouth in the 70s. Um, they adopted a kit inspired by AC Milan, which I think is funny. Nice. Um, classy. Yeah. Speaking of classy, their crest is also like kind of a weird neoclassical crest. Which it seems very Italian. I was going to say, which also <laughs> I'm assuming, I didn't see this in, in research, but I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's also Italian inspired. It looks very Italian inspired. Right. Now I've never noticed that before, but now looking at it, it's I'm Roman like, oh my God, fucked, that's dude. extremely Italian. <laughs> yeah, extremely Roman. Um, it's a tribute to some old striker of theirs that scored a lot of headers, apparently. Yeah, this is the level of research I do. Yeah, we don't have time for a whole history of Bournemouth here. No, right? the, whole, the story of Bournemouth <laughs> that I really want to tell starts in 2008. The club literally came within seconds of liquid um, they were put into administration in 2008. At the time, they were in League One. Going into administration, for those who don't know is the term, is essentially, let's, let's say it's like going into bankruptcy, right? Um, you're not completely fucked. There are ways you can legally and financially angle your way out of it, but you're in serious trouble and your assets might start being stripped. They were so close um, to being completely dissolved. They, they were literally seconds from being liquidated. The liquidator was there with the paperwork to end the club's existence and sell off all of their assets. The chairman of the club paid the liquidator £100,000 out of pocket to somehow legally postpone the proceedings or yeah. if that paid off a certain amount of debt that allowed them to leave. But anyway, postpone the proceedings. Yeah, yeah. Um, bought them a little time. Bought them enough time to survive, Yeah. So, in terms of football, there's also a competitive penalty. And they were relegated, and they started the next season in League 2 with negative uh, 17 points. Oof. Yeah, tough stuff, right? It's, it's brutal. Yeah. They went through two managers, I think, in the first three months of that season. And then a young uh, former defender who played defense for them just, I think, the, the season prior, took charge as caretaker. And ended up guiding them to 21st, which in the lower divisions is enough to save you from relegation. Nice. Um, that young defender's name was Eddie Howe. Eddie. <laughs> yeah. So the the story of Bournemouth is kind of it very much overlaps with the story of Eddie Howe. Go for it. So Eddie Howe takes over um, and scrapes them to 21st. They survive his first season in League Two. Uh, they get promoted his next season in charge up to League One. Um, after promotion, it seems like Eddie got a little bit of a uh, um, inflated ego. He, might have, he got a little bit of the uh, Brendan Rodgers syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> he had a little bit of ID uh, crisis and went to uh, Burnley for a season. Didn't work out. He came back to uh, right back to Bournemouth and for the 2012-13 season and immediately earned promotion to the Championship. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't right? know that he jumped ship for a little while and came back. I didn't know that either until I dug into this a little bit. I was like, oh, that's a part they don't tell you when they cast the romantic stories on NBC. It's true. He, bailed for, he bailed for a second. He tried to jump ship. Yeah. It's okay. Steven Gerrard talked to Chelsea for a second, too. <laughs> um, we can forgive. Right. So it was in the championship, um, his first season, he finished 10th place, which is super impressive. Nice. Uh, that's the highest that they ever finished in the league pyramid. Um, and then in his second season, they won the whole goddamn thing. That's crazy. Two seasons he did it in the championship. Right. And One of the notorious <laughs> hardest divisions to get out of. Yeah. And that, Alex, is what you call a meteoric rise. Boom. There it is. <laughs> now, when you start watching the Premier League, um, when you get a couple seasons under, the, under your belt... Um, and you start to feel yourself like you like get cocky about being a veteran. One of the parts of that is you get comfortable and used to seeing new 
teams come into the league that seem like tiny little towns. Yep. At first, it seems like such a crazy novelty. You can't believe it happens. But yeah. Then you kind of get used to it. Um, and you kind of start to take it for granted a little bit. And so I want to emphasize a little bit that Bournemouth came up to the Premier League as minnows of minnows. Mm-hmm. Teams this small really, really don't make it up. Their stadium has a capacity of 11,000. Tiny. Yeah. Um, in 2016, there were plans to expand it to 14,000, which is such a modest expansion anyway. <laughs> yeah, tiny. And, and that never even came to fruition. So they're still playing in the Prem with a, a stadium that is considered tiny even by League Two standards. Which is nuts. Yeah. Like, how are they making money? It's wild. I remember it was a really big deal for them to spend the money for renovations just to meet Premier League broadcast standards when they came up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tough stuff for Bournemouth. With that, I think we can kind of... Um, Jump to the present, where sadly, the folk hero that got them here, Eddie Howe, has been lured away by a sports washing project that I'm super upset about. Sadly for us, happily for him, he's doing a great job, of course. Yeah. Because he seems to be an extremely talented manager. <laughs> yeah, he um, seems to know what he's doing. We're talking bit. about Newcastle, obviously. They were sitting, you know, in the title race for a good portion of the season. Now they've fallen away a little bit. Yeah. But still, the change that he's, the impact he's had on that club is undeniable already. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. But back to Bournemouth, that just brings us to this game. They're in a tight relegation battle. And now, with this context, you see how high the stakes really are for that club. Mm-hmm. You know, and coming off of last week, they had a really, really tough loss. They put in a hell of a performance against Arsenal. They did. And they got kicked in the balls and then added time. Yeah. I'm not saying Arsenal didn't deserve that win. They absolutely earned that comeback. But yeah. that doesn't mean it wasn't tough for Bournemouth. No, it's a tough break either way for Bournemouth yeah. there. So for them to bounce right back and put in this performance against Liverpool and get the win. That was huge. Um, absolutely massive for them. It's quite a statement. And I hope it really portends a run for them at the end of the season because I yeah. really want to see them stay up. And it's funny, you know, it, it was just, it was also, we joked about their coaching staff because mm-hmm. we we said that they look like they're just like a bunch of backroom people working uh, together as a little group yeah. for, on a group project. Yeah. But then we also later in the game praised them because they put together like an unbelievable game plan against Liverpool. Yeah, I've said it during the game and I've said it off mic many times but you don't really see a game plan drawn up like that so clearly and just executed so perfectly you know it wasn't as simple as we're a scrappy team that wants this more we're gonna try harder than you they had a better plan yeah it was awesome yeah they really worked well um and once obviously once they had their goal they were gonna be even more stingy at the back but they didn't really change the way they played no it was a precision performance um they just yeah they knew exactly what liverpool would try and do to break them down right and stifled it i'm pretty confident they're gonna turn it around based on their last two games yeah they've looked good yeah all right that's more than enough time on that one let's move on real quick to everton one brentford zero Huge result for Everton. Yeah, one that upsets us. Yep, yep. <laughs> we did not see this one coming. Uh, I could speak for the soccer situation's hive mind in that case. Uh, sorry, Casey. I know you're happy, though. You have a little song that you sing when Liverpool lose and Everton win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one to take. Uh, we, we love Thomas Frank. We, yep. don't, we don't love Everton. But, uh, he, again, I've, it's not that we haven't predicted it. He's turning yeah. them around. They're, you know, they're what sitting in 16th now at the end of the weekend. Wouldn't be surprised if they climbed to safety within the next month. Yeah, Deich, the Deich effect is working. Of course, they're still going to have the odd ship performance because that squad's in rough shape and morale was at an all-time low. But he's he's good. Deich knows what he's doing. They're um, actually up in 15th. 15th, okay. Um, funny little Everton story. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Gordon, now of Newcastle, 
formerly of Everton Academy and slightly of the first team. He said the club statement when he left really hurt his feelings because they didn't give him enough credit for keeping them up in the league. <laughs> I thought that was super funny. That's a very funny and cocky thing to be mad about. It reminded me, I said the shades of Yaya Torre's birthday cake incident yeah. in which he said <laughs> Manchester City hurt his feelings because they didn't give him a birthday cake. Yeah, just pouty drama. It's that kind of stuff, yeah. It's anyway, hilarious. I checked the stats too last season and um, the kid had like three goals and four assists. So it's not like he put in some kind of virtuoso performance. Yeah, it's not like he lit the world on fire over there. Right. It, he should consider that possibly he had something to do with the relegation fight. Yeah, right. Okay, so neither of us watched the Tottenham Nottingham Forest game. Tottenham 3, Forest 1. Um, you'd say it's a big result for Tottenham, especially with Liverpool losing, just because they're going to want to consolidate fourth place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was upset about that. After the Bournemouth loss, obviously that was the first thing on my mind. But still, I think... Despite the win, the story of Tottenham right now is the fact that Antonio Conte's reign is kind of in free fall. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think this doesn't change too much of that. No, all the reports, everyone, every pundit are just saying it's time for him to get the the hell out of here. It seems like the squad's fallen out with him, but... (laughs) We know at least where Charleston is. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Although he played and scored immediately. I know, right? So... Is this all a mind game? Maybe just some motivation tactics by Conte? Yeah, what if Conte actually gets an extension next week? Yeah, what if he actually figures this all out? Him and Levy are back there high-fiving right now. Doing weird sex things. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, that's funny, but I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Also this week, I read that Tottenham are desperate to keep Harry Kane and negotiating a new contract for him is top priority. Here's my question. Is that a mistake are they learning from past mistakes? Is it time to just sell him? They already tied him down. Um, they can get profit from him now if they let him go. Is this their last window? I think this is their last window to make a large profit on him if they want to. Right? That's a, that's going to be a tough call. I, I don't see Levy doing it. Yeah. Did we already talk about Henri calling out Kane? If, no. I don't think it's not on the bottom. I don't think so. Because aside from whether it's a good idea for Tottenham to invest in Harry at this stage of his career... Harry Kane really has a huge, huge choice to make. That's true. Thierry Henry on uh, CVS was saying some really, what I thought was funny. He was saying it in a very serious and respectful way. Yeah. But what he was essentially saying is a player like that should be able to talk about more than just the goal. Hey, look at this cool goal I scored. Hey, remember hey, this cool yeah. goal I scored? Hey, look at this other goal. I like this one that I scored. Yeah. They need to be talking about the stuff they won and like the huge moments in their career, not just how many goals they scored. Yeah. And that's essentially the decision that Harry Kane has to make. Does yeah. he stay just to win the all-time Premier League goal-scoring record and shatter all the Tottenham records Yeah, and most likely not win anything? Yeah. yeah. Sure, people will always say his name in history, but like, yeah, as a... Yeah, as you know, I'm sorry to always make Liverpool comparisons, but as a Stephen Gerrard fan, I could tell you that a lot of people don't respect him or love to talk shit about him because he never won the Premier League. Yep. And he has done a lot more for Liverpool than Harry Kane has done for Tottenham. It's true. Gerrard never won the league, but he did at least single handedly like drag us to a Champions League win in Istanbul. Yep. And arguably the most famous Champions League final of all time now. And won FA Cups, right? And he's won FA Cups. He won all the Cups plus UEFA Cup. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just not the league. Yeah. And people still, and people still shit on him. So Kane's going to get it after his career. Yeah. If, if he, he doesn't, doesn't go, go win anything. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Let's talk about Manchester United nil, Southampton nil. 
disappointing result <laughs> for some people. Yeah. Casemiro sent off pretty early. Ten Hag thinks it was uh, the referee interfering with the game. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about there. It seemed like a very blatant red card. Yeah, it seems like a statement that the FA would investigate if a lot of managers would say it. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's funny. He points to the fact that Casemiro played hundreds of games for Real Madrid without getting sent off, and now he's been sent off twice already. Yeah. And it's funny because I think he has the conspiracy backwards. It's not that they're against him now. It's that he was at Real Madrid before, and he had the most leeway you can ever have in football. Yeah, I think that's (laughs) 100% more the case. Right. Um, Because he was different. Both red cards he's had are deserved red cards. They seem pretty clear cut. Yeah. I think there's a reason United did not appeal. Yeah. You're not winning that. Right. So, yeah, Casemiro went off, and because he's already had a red, um, he's suspended for four games. Four games. Their next game's a big one against Newcastle. Yep. Um, so massive loss for United. Other than that, you got to give them credit for for not falling apart in the game. Yeah, performance-wise, this United team is kind of bulletproof right now. We can't really criticize the effort that the team is putting in. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. This was a tough hit for them in terms of any remaining title challenge they might have and any general momentum they're trying to keep up. And losing Casemiro is a real, you know... That's a real that's blow. That's a body that's blow. That's the biggest blow here. Yeah. The points are different. But right. The... They're starting to look solid enough that you don't really need to worry about it too much. Exactly. And if they're out of the title race, they don't really have a ton to play for anymore. I don't think they're going to fall out of the top four. No, I don't think they're going to have any kind of crisis like that. Right. They seem too solid under Ten Hag to fall that far. Well, yeah, let's talk about uh, Leicester 1, Chelsea 3. I didn't see this game. Um, Yeah, I didn't really pay attention to much of this game either. Um, Big result, though, for Chelsea. Yeah, huge result for Chelsea. They're kind of stabilizing. It's worrying me. I thought they were kind of in the rear view, and now they're starting to look more consistent than us. Yeah. Hasn't happened long term yet, but it's trending in that direction, and I don't like it. What I want to talk about... In terms of this result, though, is Leicester and, in general, um, what's going on with the relegation battle. I kind of want to round up the relegation fights from this, uh, or the relegation results from this round. Okay. So let's talk about West Ham 1, Aston Villa 1. We already talked about United nil, Southampton nil. Got Everton winning over at Brentford. Uh, Bournemouth winning over Liverpool is massive. Leicester losing, Leeds dropping points, mm-hmm. Forest dropping points, Wolves dropping points, and Palace dropping points. So the point of all of that, ignore the individual results. That's not important. The important thing is that we just mentioned like 10 fucking teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, the relegation battle extends all the way up to 12th place. 12th place is literally three points out of the relegation zone. That That's inc- so crazy. That includes Crystal Palace, Wolves, Nottingham, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Bournemouth, Leeds, and Southampton. That's insane. Yeah, no, not to like steal the spotlight from Arsenal and City. No, no, but no. the relegation battle, when it comes down to it, this season might be the story of the season. Yeah. There are massive clubs that could go down this year. Yeah, no, this is the most interesting season we've had. I love the. I always love re- relegation battles at the end of the season. That's right. always interesting. Yeah. But this is by far the most dramatic one we've seen yet. Right? As we've said before, there's always one team that's like 20 points adrift at this point. That's yeah. just dead in the water. Yep. So there's two teams, and usually there's probably two teams slightly above the relegation drop, and then there's a gap, and everyone else is Exactly. Safe. Not what we have 
this i mean half of the table is under threat right now yep and that's a little of an exaggeration you can see pretty clearly 11th place is the safe point right now. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but that's yeah, i mean but i know what you're saying it's still yeah. wild to see yeah it's it's on i mean it's unprecedented in my time i don't ever re- recall seeing something mm. like this no nothing nothing like this who do you want to see go down Pick Ooh. from pick from twelve through twenty right 12 now. Twelve through twenty right now. Mine's easy. I'm going Everton, Leicester, West Ham. Dang, I think that's the exact same three I was gonna. Put. West Ham, love to see him go down. Yep. Um, I hate their free stadium. Yeah. I hate their. Uh, I don't. I don't. Their I, don't I don't hate. You hate their bubbles. I hate that they blow bubbles. <laughs> It's a, it's fun to see West Ham struggle because their fans are so dramatic. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it comes down yeah. to, really. Everton, I want to see go down for tons of obvious reasons. Yep. And honestly, I kind of picked um, Leicester just because I want to see another big club go down just because it's dramatic. Yeah, I would you like know? to see what happens with this Leicester project if it goes down. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Palace go down even though I like Patrick Vieira. Oh, gee. You know, that, that one hurts for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about Patrick. Yeah. They're in the mix, man. Yeah, they are. They are definitely in it. They have not been playing well. Palace will come back up if they go down. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Teams I worry about, I guess Bournemouth is the only one I'm really concerned about in that mix. I don't want to see Bournemouth go down. That's why I kind of did a little mini feature on them this week. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to see... Wolves stay up as well. I like wolves. I, te- you know, I was flip flopping on that in my head. Actually, it's kind of a coin toss for me right now. Depending on the manager, they've been really great and really frustrating at times. Honestly, and I know historically people hate Leeds mm-hmm. as a club. Yeah, a lot of people, but like, I kind of like the way they play. So I would like Leeds to stay up. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't mind seeing Leeds stay up either. Um, just because I enjoy their style of play. Yeah. Plus, the jokes of them going down again will be so tired. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's going to make Leeds jokes, and we're just going to have to act like that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, what else do we have to talk about? Should we talk Champs League? Well, you're just going to just brush Arsenal's result. was so easy. We're just going to brush right over yeah, it. Yeah, it was easy business. Easy business. Let's see if I got this result right. Fulham nil, Arsenal three. Yeah, that's correct. That result <laughs> is correct. I got that one on the money. Yeah, I think, honestly, we don't have to talk about this game that much. Um, no, it's Jet. I literally just forgot. There was a couple of interesting things I did want to note, though, um, from this. Mainly that I was very stressed going into this game. Um, at Craven Cottage, Fulham have been a very good team this year. Um, I also didn't realize that Pahlina is out. I didn't realize he wasn't playing. Right. And I think we saw exactly, yeah, what a difference he makes to that team. Yeah, it's like dropping party they immediately yeah exactly exactly losing a parte or a casemiro yeah or like a fabinho like a solid midfielder another recurring theme on the pod that key midfielder that just holds it all together it's true. we talk about it constantly because it's fucking real which is why we also <laughs> mentioned how he's going to be linked and already has started to be linked with a lot of big clubs yeah alex says yesterday oh <laughs> liverpool and in, in, in united in for uh palinia like that's the most predictable headline i've yep. ever heard in my life yep he clearly has shown that he can do a job, and he's crucial to that Fulham team. Right. I mean, that Fulham team that we played looked like 
the Fulham we predicted maybe at the beginning of the season was sure, coming up with Marco Silva. Yeah, a little yeah. soft around the edges. They like to attack, but they they leave themselves exposed frequently. The story of that whole game was really just the first half. Right. Arsenal took it to them from from the moment it started. Had a couple had goal disallowed. Oh yeah. yeah. Um and then followed it up with three three goals in the first half. Y'all had so many beautiful almost goals. We almost scored like goal of the season like three times in that <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, it was really funny. Um it was pretty that was pretty humorous to watch like us almost score the perfect goal. But yeah, I mean Gabrielle with the header and the first goal, just a solid defensive the center back header from mm-hmm. a corner. Thumping? Was it thumping? It was pretty thumping. Oh. Uh I think, yeah. Uh Trossard taking the corner gets the assist for that one. Martinelli Martinelli's header was hilarious to me. Remind that, me. The goal. So Trossard gets the ball the ball on the left. So this is the one that Saliba, I think, plays the ball out from the back, that beautiful curling ball. Oh, right. Out yeah, from yeah. the center oh, back yeah, position with now. his left yeah, foot yeah, yeah, yeah. under pressure. Yeah, because this is a great goal. Plays it out to Jaka. Jaka plays it to Trossard. And Trossard, you know, fakes inside and cuts cuts toward the the goal line mm-hmm. and just like floats a ball up so perfectly to the back post where the defender some for some reason bends over to try and head the ball yeah that looks Uh, like a fifa glitch yeah and martinelli literally just jumps up and the softest little header into the back of the net from like a foot away yeah that was a strange one but trust second trossard assist in the first half and then yeah odegaard's goal was beautiful but again it was like it almost like the defenders didn't even try um, now I'm struggling to picture his as well. I, I'm tr- I'm struggling to picture the build up for his goal. Oh yeah, but I know he takes the ball like in the the right side of like kind of right center of the box, um, and takes a couple of nice touches to to get it to his left foot in the middle of the box, and then just arrows it into the left corner of the net. Yeah, I remember that goal now. It reminded me of a Mohamed Salah goal actually, when he kind of. We'll take a dribble and stop it, put his foot on top of the ball, you know, mm-hmm. across the top of the box. He'll kind of stutter across looking for a gap. Yeah. It was like one of those. Yeah. Um, um, and he just like found that gap and belted it in and it seemed too easy. Right. And yeah, Arsenal were just dominant from that, that whole first half. Um, I do know, I remember there were some nervy moments where like, I think Mitrovic hit the crossbar. Ramsdale had to make some pretty good saves. Yeah, they're um, still going to offer a threat. Yeah, they're always going to attack um, well. And Mitrovic is always going to be a trouble for center backs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Arsenal were on top for the most part. Obviously, huge news is uh, the return of Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, so it, that is uh, huge news for Arsenal fans. Like, Obviously, Trossard and Kedia have done very well in that position. Yeah. Um, he brings something different. He brings something different. And yeah, it's nice. It's just good energy to have him back too. So um, yeah, it was a it was a good game. See, simple, e- like seemingly easy win for Arsenal. Yeah, getting a getting a key player back fit is important. Everything's coming up Arsenal right now. Yeah, it seems things seem too good to be true. I'll say that much. Truly, truly, uh, I think past the point of no return where you're not you're going to be able to play it cool if you don't win the league this year. I know, right? Yeah, it's true. It's I'm going to be devastated. To remind everybody, though, this is Manchester City. We're talking about it's. Not a huge gap. What are there? There's still five points. Thirty six points to play for. Yep. Five point gap. Yep. They still have to play each other. Yep. It's far from over. It is all to play for. Arsenal have a pretty difficult schedule. City kind of a tough one too, but yeah. Arsenal have some big games still ahead of them. 
nothing to be taken for granted right now. Not at all, no. Right. And and so far it seems like this team has that mentality as well. So Yeah, that's the that's the, the, the flip side of that warning is that this team is showing the right mentality so yep. far. They just gotta keep it going. They're just steamrolling. Yep. And there's still ways to go, but so we'll see if they can keep it up. Yeah, so we can't get out of here without talking about what happened with Gary Lineker and the BBC Match of the Day broadcast this week. Yeah, um, pretty wild stuff. It started small, then there was a little controversy, and then it fucking exploded. So, in a nutshell, what happened was Match of the Day presenter. Match of the Day is, um, le- to say legendary is not really, you know, it's like an institutional football show in England. Yeah. The BBC, being a government-funded broadcasting service, has a, a pledge of impartiality, which Lineker sort of broke this week. I don't know the details of his contract because it was yeah. in his private Twitter account, but yes. he criticized a an immigration bill, and because of that, the BBC pulled him from the broadcast, which already had people upset. And from there, it just snowballed. First, Ian Wright pulled out in solidarity, and then Literally every other pundit in the country, I think, said they had no interest in filling in for the for the show this week. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, like, stand from everybody right? on the presenter's side. Crazy stuff. I'd like to know what a good journalist I am. I asked this question <laughs> before anybody. What scab are they going to put in that seat? Yeah, right. And sure enough, they couldn't find anybody. So in a really, amazing. really surreal, unprecedented move, they aired this, what is supposed to be a soccer talk show, essentially. Yeah. They aired it with no pundits, no commentary, just a montage of highlights. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty For wild. like 20 minutes. And it was 20 minutes long, which is dramatically shorter than its usual average broadcast. I didn't even watch it, but most of... Great Britain did. And it had like the highest viewership it's had in a long, long time. Everyone, yeah. everyone tuned in to see what it was like. Yeah. The conservatives who were behind the bill that originally got criticized, of course, pointed to that. Like the nation is saying, fuck these libs. Yeah. Um, but I think it's pretty safe to say that people just tuned in out of curiosity. Yeah. I think people just wanted to see what it was. At the end of the day, I don't have a super strong viewpoint on it. But again, I don't know the details. Yeah, of his contract. Enough. Yeah. It's not our place to legislate the policy of the BBC. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all I want to say is they goddamn they handled it poorly. They really shot themselves in the foot this weekend. Yeah, they made themselves look pretty bad it was the way it was handled. Really embarrassing stuff. Yeah. And then Do you have anything to say on it? No, it, it was just interesting to watch um unfold. It was quickly it spread <laughs> like wildfire, yeah. It spread like wildfire, thank you. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And it's, it was interesting to just, like, keep reading football news or, like, going to BBC's website every once in a while. Yeah. And having to see the BBC report on that, mm-hmm. like, their own website reporting on it. Yeah, the BBC was reporting on it. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, oof, you were just reporting on how stupid you look, basically. I have to say, they did an admirable job of being impartial on the reporting of their own attack of impartiality. <laughs> they did. They, they did, did actually. I love the BBC, honestly. I don't know. I honestly don't know how Brits feel about it. I feel like I see him talk shit about it online all the time. But I BBC uh, football is like my homepage. I'm, it's the Bible for me. Yeah, I do, I do that and be just BBC News in general. Of course, That's... I wanted to wrap it up by saying they have a formally reinstated Lineker. Oh, yes, he's back. So hopefully it all blows over. It should be said that Gary Lineker himself loves BBC Match of the Day more than anybody. That yep. dude could be broadcasting for one of the bigger broadcasters, CBS or Sky, and making so much more money. Absolutely. He broadcasts for the BBC because, like we said, it's an institution. They love it. Yeah. yeah. It's huge for them. Right. It's an honor. Yeah.
So I think with that, we're going to call it this week. Yeah, I think so. Nothing else you want to talk about? You want to scan through your notes or anything? I don't think so. I think we kind of covered it. Let me give this. I've got notes about Star Trek Picard, if anyone wants to hear about that. <laughs> I don't think that's urgent. i got notes about someone hitting my parked car and about how I hate the police, if anyone wants to hear me rant about that. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I think we can probably move on. <laughs> anyway, we've got Champions League games this week. We had some big results today, and there's some huge games tomorrow. So, And we've got a kind of a scattered smattering a wintry of, mix of competitions this weekend yeah so yeah. what and we're gonna midweek Premier League. yeah games. so we might drop our first mini episode this week we're talking about potentially dropping an episode on thursday wrapping up the champions league results and looking into the confusing weekend ahead yes so let's call it for tonight and hopefully we'll see you on thursday sounds great to me yeah thanks alex <laughs> and thanks everybody for listening don't forget to tell someone about the podcast um, right now we're scrambling for listeners one by one trying to grow this thing yes share so the love. um yeah share the love if you think it's funny or stupid at all or fine if you know anyone who might even think it's mildly interesting yeah you know one person that watches soccer or think they yes, do yes. and they want to listen to a podcast like this so they can sound like they know what they're talking about yeah. so do that person a favor and send us their way yeah perfect perfect thanks y'all have a good week Soccer Soccer, 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 soccer. Situation. Situation.